For the old Hawaiians, an immortal spirit could take many forms and habitations. The Uhane spirit of a departed one might make its presence known in the shape of a cloud, felt in the rush of cold wind, seen in the flight of a bird, heard in a dog's howl or owl's cry. It might inhabit a rock, permeating with the strange power of mana. In old Hawaii, man and gods and nature were very close, and the curtain between the living and the dead was woven of cobwebs. The curtain is still cobweb-thin. The Uhane is yet a felt, seen, heard, and sensed presence for many Hawaiians of today. Helen P. Hoyt Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. Today we are discussing the Night Marchers, spirits of Hawaiian warriors. If you happen to lay eyes on them, it could mean your death. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. When I opened my eyes, the sun had begun to rise. I could smell the crispness of the fog floating in from the bay. It was hard to rest at all last night, not knowing what today would bring. I glanced at my beautiful young wife and our newborn son clinging to her in deep slumber. This could be the last time I see either of them. My wife was far too young to be a widow and alone. However, duty calls and I must go. It is an honor to march with our chiefs into battle, to defend our land and fight for what is rightfully ours. I can hear my fellow brethren moving about, readying for our coming journey. One by one they file out, kissing their loved ones and saying goodbye. Seemed like saying goodbye to those two was going to be harder than dying. While I pondered in deep thought, My wife had gotten out of bed and made her way to my side to say goodbye. She found herself unable to speak at all, but the look in her eyes said it all. It was like looking into a plunging valley of deep darkness and despair, as if the life were being sucked from her soul. I wanted nothing more than to return to bed and hold them both for eternity. But it was time to go. In the distance, You can hear the chanting from my fellow brothers growing louder and louder as each brother took their place in line. I closed my eyes when I placed my last kiss on her forehead. I breathed her in, praying I would come home to her. I made my way to my place in line and waited. Once we had all gathered and our fearless leader had joined us, we marched. 
The drums pounded louder with each step, and every step we took meant we were one step closer to our fate. From a distance, I can still hear the drum, but there is only one. Bong, bong, bong. Then it stopped. I thought for just a moment that I was dead. But just a moment. I slowly rose to my feet as reality hit me like a ravenous, raging beast. The dirt had been replaced with the slain bodies of both my friends and my foe. The dirt had become so saturated with blood, it felt like mud between my toes. I can see the few that remain, fighting till the bitter end. That is what it meant to be a koa, a warrior. Until the end, till my last breath, I would fight. I picked up my polalu, and with every bit of will I had remaining in me, I broke into a full run, and I ran as fast as my tired body could carry me, and I ran straight into the end. I couldn't believe it. After two years of planning, we finally boarded the plane this morning for Hawaii. I had been anticipating this trip since I was a little girl. I remember sitting and admiring the photos of my parents on their honeymoon in Hawaii all those years ago. The sand, the ocean, the trees. It all seemed so incredibly magical. I would often daydream about standing on the beach holding your hand, sipping on something delightful, and forgetting about the world around us. Hawaii seemed like the perfect place to spend the rest of forever just basking in its beauty away from the rest of the world. I had spent hours upon hours planning out the trip. There were so many things I wanted to see. The islands are full of history and beauty. I wanted to see it all, but I only have so much time. The wedding will be the day after tomorrow, and the honeymoon will only last a week after that. I felt a tap on my arm. We are here. Startled, I looked at my soon-to-be husband and smiled. I was so deep in thought I had forgotten he was sitting next to me. The flight had gone by so quickly I didn't realize we were getting ready to land. I leaned over to look out the window. The view was the most incredible sight I had ever seen. Once we landed, we collected our luggage and headed to the hotel. I was in absolute awe of the island. Once we had settled in, I was itching to do some exploring. We walked to a nearby restaurant for dinner. The aroma coming from the building drew me in. I wanted to eat everything on the menu, but I chose the manapua. The waiter didn't seem amused by my awful pronunciation of the word. It sounded more like I said, man-apu. I know the Hawaiian culture is very deep-rooted and sacred. I didn't mean to laugh. But who wouldn't laugh if you ordered Manapu? After dinner, we walked a little farther down the street to another place to have a few drinks. I knew tomorrow would be crazy with rehearsals and finalizing everything for the ceremony. So tonight, I just wanted to relax. Although I think I may have overdone it just a little. Amidst the laughter, the drinking and dancing, I had to excuse myself. I asked the bartender where the restrooms were. 
He pointed towards a door in the back of the building. He said, They are outside to the right. Don't go left. I thanked him and headed towards the door. I walked back by my fiancé to let him know where I was going. When I reached the door, I thought back to what the bartender had said. They are outside to the left. Don't go right. I stumbled out the door and took a left. Only I didn't see a bathroom. I didn't see anything. It was so dark. And honestly, I couldn't even tell how far I had walked at this point. I didn't see the bar or the door I had just walked out of. I've spun in circles now, and I don't know which way to go. I had left my phone inside, so I didn't have a flashlight or any way of getting in touch with someone to come find me. Realizing the actual danger I've now put myself in, I'm drunk, alone, in the middle of the night, in a strange place, that didn't seem quite so beautiful at this moment. I had started to panic. My breathing had gotten very heavy, and I was starting to feel very dizzy. When, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a light flicker, and then another, and another. They were in a line, but seemed to be moving in the same direction. I could hear what sounded like drums. Maybe. But what would people be playing drums in the middle of the night for? I didn't have much time to worry about their weird drum playing. I just needed help. My eyes have adjusted to the darkness, and the moon overhead is providing minimal light. I can tell the ground is unlevel, and there are lots of rocks. The lights don't seem to be downhill, so I don't think I'm on a cliff. I just had to take my chances. Otherwise, I could end up spending the night in the dark or worse, dying some horrific death. I moved rather quickly towards the lights. I was afraid they might disappear before I got to them. The closer I got, though, I didn't feel relief of any kind. I felt an immense amount of dread and sorrow. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Passed down for many generations, Hawaiian legends and myths continue to fascinate local Hawaiians and visitors to the islands even today. 
Amongst the most well-known of these legends is that of the Night Marchers. Ask any Hawaii resident, and they will surely be able to recount a tale, maybe even one of an uncle or aunt who saw the legendary spirits themselves. Night Marchers, known as Hua Ka'ipo in the Hawaiian language, are death-dealing ghosts. Folklore describes them as a group of spirits sometimes traveling with ancient Hawaiian gods or goddesses in their midst that march down the mountainside after sunset. The procession is often accompanied by the sounds of the conch shell, rhythmic drumming, and oli chants. The classic Hawaiian religion system can be traced back to an older system of worship in the Polynesian homeland of Hawaii some 2,000 years ago. This ancient ritual system revolved around an annual cycle of offerings to the ancestors. The Hawaiian religion had taken these ancient rituals and created the ideology needed to enlarge the Ali'i chief's power and prestige over the people. These god kings called Ali'i Akua emerged as direct links to the gods by employing a system of tributes and offerings to the gods and thus the ruling of Ali'i. This elaborate religious system consisted of four great gods, each with his own priesthood, rituals, and temples. The primary gods of Akua were Ku, Kane, Lono, and Kanaloa. There were also lesser gods, or Kapua, associated with certain professions such as fishing or canoe building. Amakua, or guardian spirits of a family, were often animals such as sharks or turtles and could include deceased relatives. In all, it is said there were over 10,000 gods and goddesses associated with all daily life in ancient Hawaii. According to the legend, the night marchers were ancient Hawaiian warriors. Today, their spirits are said to roam various areas on the islands, many of which were once great battlefields. They appear as ghostly apparitions who carry torches and play drums while they chant. The legends of the night marchers are rooted in ancient Hawaii, which was once governed by a strict caste system. When an ali'i passed through a village, his warriors blew conch shells and beat on pahu drums to announce his arrival. Commoners were expected to stare at the ground, never ever making eye contact. The consequences of disobeying the kapu was death. The ali'i weren't just leaders. They held immense mana, spiritual power, and were often thought of as physical representations of the gods. These same warriors, tasked to protect the Ali'i and uphold the Kapu, are believed to continue their duties into the afterlife as the night marchers. These warriors are believed to be eternally fated to march the islands, seeking their next battle. They are most active at night, but also have been reported to be seen during the day. No structure deters their path, and as a result, they're often seen walking right through buildings. Known as a Huaka'i Po in the Hawaiian language, the night marchers are a procession of ghosts who have allegedly been seen marching down the mountains at night. Some stories say the night marchers are armed spirit warriors on their way to battle. Some speculate that the apparitions are searching for the entrance to the afterlife. Like most legends, tales of the night marchers were passed down orally. In many cases, it was the storyteller's grandfather or uncle who witnessed the march. 
Written accounts of the legend did not begin until after Captain Cook arrived in Hawaii in 1778. The first published account occurred in 1883 and described an incident in which a phantom army was being led by the ghost of King Kamehameha, who had united the islands of Hawaii into one kingdom in 1810. Kamehameha, after decades of battles fighting for control of the islands, succeeded in uniting them under his rule. He struggled to accomplish what several ali'i had attempted in the past, but with the arrival of Captain Cook in 1778 and the foreign ships that began arriving in Hawaii, Kamehameha now planned his conquest anew with the help of Western armaments. On the Big Island, he acquired guns, muskets, ammunition, and a cannon, along with a few sailors needed to train his army in their use. He consolidated his power on Hawaii Island, and by 1791, he began gathering men and canoes for an invasion of Maui. Kamehameha organized and built an army of 12,000 men and over 1,000 war canoes. It was the largest army the Hawaiian Islands had ever seen. He invaded Maui, conquering first Hana in East Maui, then moved his army west along the North Shore, till he had beaten back Maui's warriors into Iao Valley located behind Maui's king Kahakili's royal compound at Wailuku. A ground-shaking barrage of cannon fire into the tightly confined valley decimated Kahakili's army led by his son, Kalana Kapule. Kahakili was attending to matters on Oahu at the time. The Maui warriors were no match for the firepower of cannon and musket. It is said that the bodies piled up in the valley and blocked the river which ran red with blood all the way down to Wailuku. Kalanakapule escaped out the back of the valley to join his father on Oahu, and Kamahamahe gained control of Maui. Next, Kamahamahe set his sights on the island of Oahu. Since then, there have been several published accounts, with the fullest one being made in 1930 by Mary Kawana Pakui. At the same time, stories continued to be passed down orally with many residents claiming to have seen or to know someone who had seen the apparitions. Most of the sightings occurred at night, but there have been a few reports of daytime marches. Some nights seem to be more common than others. The marchers are allegedly more active during the new moon. The locations of the marches are often near sacred sites such as temples and caves. As with any legend, the stories vary somewhat. Often the witnesses simply see a line of torches moving down the mountainside. Some see footprints, while others claim the marchers float several inches above the ground. Some witnesses also claim to hear drum beats and chanting. Other characteristics described by witnesses include weather changes such as heavy wind, rain, mist, fog, thunder, and lightning. Some witnesses claim the marchers engage in revelry. The one thing that the witnesses seem to agree on is that anyone who happens upon the night marchers should run away or lie down and play dead because it is believed that making eye contact with them is punishable by death. While most ghost hunters are out looking for spirits, there are some ghosts you should never look at, says the Honolulu Magazine website. If you come across the night marchers in a procession, it's advised not to interrupt them. It is also believed that you should never look at them directly or you might meet your doom from a single deadly glance. If seen, remain quiet with your eyes averted. Always show these warriors the respect that they deserve. 
and you will have a wonderful story to tell. It is believed that the descendants of the night marchers will not be harmed by them as they march to battle. Whatever their mission, the night marchers are said to march in a single line. You must also be perfectly silent and still, for any sudden sound or movement could invite the deadly glance of a night marcher. The night marchers are set diligently upon their destination, and unless you make eye contact, these spirits are not thought to deviate from their path to haunt humans nearby. Nowhere is safe. The night marchers have been seen all throughout the Hawaiian Islands. Nighttime visitors are urged to be wary. Although this legend is rooted deep in Hawaiian history and culture, you will have a hard time finding movies or games based on it. Earlier this year, I watched Finding Ohana, an American family adventure film directed by Jude Wang and written by Christina Strain. It is the only film I've come across with a good representation of the Night Marchers, and it was the first time I had ever heard of them. Even though it is not a horror movie, when the main characters accidentally stumble across the Night Marchers during their search for pirate treasure, the multitude of phantoms make for a chilling scene. Nowhere in Hawaii is safe from the Night Marchers. They seem to be reported to show up just about anywhere. So if you're going for a visit, beware of what the night holds. But if you do run into them, be respectful and be careful. The drums were louder now, and one after the other pounded so mighty they had begun to sing. I stopped in my tracks. These were no ordinary people in the dark. There was something not right. I could feel the hair standing up on the back of my neck, and a chill ran down my spine. Everything in me told me to run, run or die. I didn't know which way to run. I could feel tears running down my face. I had never been so scared in my life. I was afraid to cry. What if they heard me? Would they kill me? From out of nowhere came a firm hand that grabbed me by the arm and jerked me behind a tree. Before I could scream, there was a hand over my mouth. Shh! Don't make a sound. There was just enough light for me to make out the face of the bartender. Take off your clothes and lay on the ground, face down, and do not make a sound. He said softly with such haste and certainty, If you want to live, You'll do as I say, and do it now. I thought to myself, this was it, the end of me. I stripped down to my underwear as fast as I could and got on my stomach. The bartender laid down on the ground next to me. We lay there in silence as the drums got louder and louder until they finally just stopped. I thought for sure when I opened my eyes, these marchers would be standing there with their torches and drums waiting to kill me. The silence was broken when the bartender said, You can get up now. They are gone. Didn't you hear me tell you not to go left? That's why people end up dead around here. You are lucky I found you before you found them. He said with such distaste, he was angry, although I didn't understand why. Who are those people? I asked him. He looked at me as if he were staring right through me, and his response rattled me to the core. Those were not people, not anymore. They are spirits of warriors long ago, and they show no mercy. 
puzzled by his response, I just chose not to ask any more questions. I knew spirits weren't real. He was just trying to scare me. Those people were probably local sadists or something malicious. I just wanted to be safe again. I was still far too drunk to process all of this when he grabbed my arm just above my hand and pulled gently. This way, I will lead you back. His voice seemed less harsh than it had before. As if he had time to consider I was just a drunk, lost idiot. When we made it back to the bar, I decided not to say anything about the whole ordeal. I was still incredibly terrified and so confused, not to mention embarrassed. I had just stripped down to my underwear with a stranger, drunk behind a bar. That wouldn't have been a very believable story to tell my fiancé. Everyone was frantically looking for me in the bar. They were so relieved when the bartender said, She went left. You should probably keep an eye on her. She's pretty drunk. I told my fiancé I wanted to go back to the hotel. I needed to rest and sleep this off. Surprisingly, the next morning I felt great. I had convinced myself last night hadn't happened. I know I'd had a lot to drink, and all the stress from the wedding made me hallucinate or something. We had so much planned for today, and I wasn't going to let that ruin my trip. We had a breathtaking ocean view at breakfast. Then we met some of the family down on the beach. It was a perfect day. That evening, we all gathered for the rehearsal dinner, which turned out to be more like a backyard get-together. But nonetheless, it was perfect. It was getting late, and I was so tired. I knew tomorrow would be exhausting. I told everyone I was headed to bed and asked my fiancé to walk me to my room. He kissed me on the tip of the nose and said, I can't wait to make you my wife, forever. We held hands as we walked down the beach towards the hotel. It was a long walk, but I thought the fresh air could do me good before bed. Tomorrow was going to be a big day. Off in the distance, you could see a wooded area that spanned miles down the shoreline. It was so beautiful. The trees swayed so smoothly with the breeze and the waves were crashing on the shore. This place was a true paradise, and I never wanted to leave. There weren't a whole lot of people near this hotel, mostly locals. As we walked and I watched the trees dancing with the wind, I noticed a light appear in the trees, and then another, and another, just like they had the night before. Before I knew it, there was a long line of lights that just seemed to appear out of nowhere. I could hear the drums start to beat. I suddenly found myself unable to move or breathe or speak. My fiance ran into me when I came to a sudden halt. He kept asking me what was wrong. Was I okay? He even shook me, trying to get a reaction out of me. All I could do was point towards the lights, the lights that were getting closer and closer to us. The drums were so loud. I was so scared. I wasn't sure what to do. Run, hide, scream, or strip and lie on the ground like I had the night before. It had seemed to work. I didn't tell anyone about what had happened, especially not my fiancé. How would I even explain it to him now? I finally snapped back to reality. I knew I had no other choice. I told my fiancé to strip and do it fast. We didn't have much time. I was ripping my clothes off, 
I couldn't get them off fast enough. I think he thought I had lost my mind. He tried to get me to stop and calm down. He was fighting me every step of the way. I kept screaming that we were going to die. Could he not hear the drums? Could he not see the lights? Take off your clothes and get on the ground. By the time the lights made it to the edge of the woods, I knew we were too late. I let out a scream that could only be described as atrocious. I closed my eyes and let my body collapse onto the ground. I thought if I stopped fighting, my fiancé would let me go. And I was right. He let my body fall to the ground. He had started to speak when he too must have seen what was carrying the lights. Because he started to scream. Only it was brief. And then he was silenced. I waited for the drums to fade and the chanting to stop which felt like forever, before I opened my eyes, and where my fiancé had stood was now only a pile of ash. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Tales from the Break Room and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Tune in next week as we discuss the Leviathan, a giant serpent of the sea, created by God, the only one strong enough to defeat it. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one. <laughs>